This is a warning to all living mortals that on the 13th of December, Moose will release 13 of the most terrifying interviews of horror unto the world. That's right, 13 brand new episodes in the month of December leading up to our season premiere. And until then, horror hounds, mash on. to another episode of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. I'm your host and gift giver, Moose. Today's gift is the gift of writing. And who better to talk about writing than the writer behind the reboot and relaunch of the Jeepers Creepers franchise, the writer of the movie, Mr. Sean Michael Argo. Howdy, y'all. It's good to be here. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive in. So, let's just... Off the top, how long have you been writing? Uh, I, I am I am one of those guys that uh, you know, around about age eight, I typed a comic book script on uh, like an old school typewriter and gave my parents, you know, a stack of uh, you know twenty or so pages that uh, you know, of course, took me forever. Um, you know, and that like I thought, oh, I will give you the gift of writing. You know, now I realize how uh, <laughs> arrogant that was, but I was eight. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been, I've been that, uh, I've been that guy pretty much forever, you know, not, not necessarily professionally, uh, until maybe the last 10 years or so, Nice. Uh, but it's, it's always been there. So in regards to Jeepers Creepers, how did that come about? Like, did you attack uh-huh. it first or like, was it, you know, did they come to you and say, Hey, we'd like you to work the script on this? Uh, you know, that was, um, that's, I guess I would call it a sort of a Hollywood, a Hollywood story, but you know, like a, a really raggedy edge independent version of that. Um, I was, uh, I spent some time as a defense contractor. And w- while I was doing that, I started writing a sci-fi series that ultimately got picked up uh, to become a six episode miniseries. And we ended up shooting that in Louisiana at Orwo Studios and you know, so you're talking like maybe two months of prep because uh, it's, you know, it's Casper Van Dien. It's like got a kind of a Starship Troopers yeah. vibe. And so, it you know, it's just a real costume and set heavy. So it's like two months of prep and then you're shooting for about six weeks. And so we're just down there in the trenches a lot together. And I heard through the grapevine, you know, the crew, the, the crew grapevine that the producers I were that were hosting us, Orwa Studios, uh, that they were they had made Jeepers Creepers 3. And so I started snooping around the studio when, you know, cause I'm the writer, so I can kind of come and go as I please. And I found a bunch of these old sets from the third movie. And I was like, Oh my God, they really did do this. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, I just kind of very sneakily sort of asked around and figured out, you know, who was who. And, uh, 
then I proceeded to spend the next two months just just getting getting close to the producer and just being like, hey, I'm a super fan. I would like to write this movie. I wrote this series. You you can see that I'm a, I'm a professional, uh, but I'm a, I'm a real big super fan. So get ready because I'm going to keep coming at you every day <laughs> until, until you just let me do this. And yeah, after about a month and a half, you know, by the time we were done with Salvage Marines, he finally was like, all right, you know, I think I think you're the guy. You know, you you got the I know you got the passion for it. You love the you love the creeper. So uh, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you your shot. Uh, so it was. Definitely one of those, you know, right guy, right time. But also, you know, if I'd have just asked him the first time, it would have been a no. I, I, I kept pushing, uh, and you, you know, you have to do that because with a with a with an IP like that, especially such a spicy one, yeah, you know, behind the camera and uh, in front of the camera, uh, you know, that's a, that it took a lot for him to kind of, you know, finally agree to it and be like, okay, I feel like this guy is gonna he's gonna represent the franchise well off camera just as much as he's going to put his heart and soul into the movie itself. And that, you know, they have to make decisions like that. I know that now. I didn't know that going into it that, you know, you're on and off the field, man. Oh yeah. Say it's funny that that's how it played out. Cause like when I reached out to you about setting up the interview, that's kind of how this set out. Cause like I interviewed you and well, I, I emailed you and the you could sense the hesitation in the message like yeah like as i was like is, you know are you the one who wrote the movie like yeah and it, right. it felt like a yeah why <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know it's, it's funny you um you know so for the longest time i i was getting uh just avalanches of requests uh for interviews and podcasts uh leading up to the movie and you know contractually you know, myself and the director, like everything kind of had to go through a lot of different channels. So they, they weren't really letting us out into the wild uh, until after the movie. So once the movie came out, then I could make my own choices about, you know, who I want to do interviews with and everything. And uh, yeah, I was almost like kind of confused by the freedom because, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, like, again, I, I, and it's, it, I kind of like it though, because it's like a lot of the, you know, uh, I would say less persistent, less passionate, uh, interviews and podcasts, you know, those guys asked once and it was a, I'll send it to the producer. Uh, but the ones that I've really enjoyed doing are the ones who are like, did just come straight to me and they're like, Hey man, let's do this. And that's how I got the movie. So I'm like, all right, you got to respect the game. Let's say it, it, it's all a hustle, no matter where you're at. Uh, right. Now you guys got slammed in, uh, reviews on this movie and dragged on the internet i've never received so much uh vitriol <laughs> well you know uh on one level you know i have been i've been in the movie business for about 20 years uh i've been you know writing professionally for about 10 you know so uh I, at the end of the day I, every movie i've ever made uh as a producer or writer or director ends up getting called the worst movie ever made I think that's most of us yeah. in the indie world. You know, so there's always somebody on the internet that hates what you're doing, but there's always somebody else who, uh, you know, finds the good in it. And so kind of on one level, I was like, hey, that's just, that's part of the game. On another, uh, and Timo and I have talked about this a little bit with each other, you know, almost like a kind of a football player is getting ready to go into the thick of the, of the game as we're like, you know, we knew there's going to be a certain slice that are never going to like what you do. You're never going to be able to hold a candle to the first one. We're not the original guys. Like you're always, 
you are set up to fail just by getting in the game at that on a certain level. Uh, but on another, um, it was just, I, I love that IP so much. Uh, and I realized I took some risks and, and you know, and I, I realized I'm meandering a little bit, but like, I, I really wanted to make kind of a throwback sort of slasher, uh, and not specifically not a creature feature. And I realized that was a big creative departure from the, from the original three. And so I knew I was going to catch a little bit of heat for that. I caught a lot more than I expected, but that's all right. Um, but at the end of the day, somebody has to be the first stormtrooper through the gate. Somebody's got to, and I'll and I'll say it plainly. Somebody has to clean the Victor Salva out of that franchise. So now that it's out there, you know, I'm supposed to come back for the next two next two movies. Uh, if they go in a different direction, there's rumors of a TV series. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. I'm just kind of the I'm a team player, so I jump when they say jump. But um, you know, we we took some risks, and we definitely made a departure. It's a lot more of a kind of an old school slasher meets a dark fairy tale um, style, just kind of everything. I mean, in a lot of ways it's different. I mean, kind of top to bottom, it's different. Well, and that's part of, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to do this interview because, you know, it is such a uh, hot topic franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you watch Reborn and it is a very stark contrast to yeah. You know, the original three. And, I mean, you just said it. You need that if this IP is going to do anything outside of the stain of Victor. You know, because, right. I mean... You have to break hard. You have to break hard at you know 90-degree angle. you got to break hard so other creators later, later on down the road, or even myself, may head more towards a creature-ish kind of movie. You know, there's a lot of different directions we can go. Uh, but I, you know, all of us, uh, producers included, like we all felt it was hard. It was important to make a, a real, a real definitive. This is the new shit statement. Yeah, we are not affiliated with the uh, first three outside of it, it's the creeper. Well, even even to the, you know, to kind of get into the details, even the kind of the way that the creeper is presented, you know, in, in ours, you know, now that the movie's been out, we can talk about it. But ours, you know, he is he is very diminished. He's very uh, and it kind of starts out like he's he's in trouble, you yeah. know. From from the first frame, he's in the movie, he's in a weakened state, uh, and you start getting little pieces of the of the backstory, um, and so you know he's he's not this giant invincible tank from the get like he is in the others. Uh, so that, I would use that as a great example of how just you know sort of far left we veered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still the creeper, and I think that's that's the important thing. Is it's it's still the creeper, and I don't I don't know if you guys caught the, you know, there, there's some Easter eggs in there uh, where the question of are there different kinds of creepers? Is there you know what's the explanation? What are what are their creative explanations for the divergence between the two? Um, you know, they they find some things in the house. I think if uh, people go back, you know, mm-hmm. once they have the streaming or the DVD, you know, we, there, there's, there's some little clues in there oh, yeah. uh, as to, as to where, as to where we, we might be going again, you know, when I was writing it, I had to kind of, I was required to lay out a trilogy uh, as part of my pitch. So, you know, so even if they don't bring me back for a movie to, you know, I've kind of given them a roadmap uh, on where to go. So we were, we were pretty careful about like what, what little, what little pieces we dropped, you know, obviously a lot of that stuff is up to the producers as to, where they're going to take everything. But I think we, we planted a pretty significant garden 
Uh, so we can, oh, we, can yeah. go, we can go in a lot of directions. You know, and watching it, I think part of why I did like it so much was it was such a departure from, you know, big behemoth uh, creeper comes in, rips you out, and, you know, you move on. There is more of a, like, hunter-prey feel to it. Yep. And, like, I've always felt that kind of fit his uh, character a little bit better. And it was one of the elements of three that I actually really liked, where he was, you know, that almost weaker sense, uh-huh. and he had to rebuild himself. That was, like, the one super redeeming element of three that I really liked. Um, but then, yeah, we get to Reborn, and what what all were your uh, influences when writing this script? Because I, I have a few ideas as far as, like, the types of horror movies you kind of see in like sprinkled out through the movie, but I was right. curious to what like your influence. Uh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a rural Arkansas guy. You know, I grew up uh, in a real small town in, in Arkansas. So I'm kind of, I was kind of raised in that Delta world. And uh, so, you know, for me uh, throughout a lot of my body of work, uh, the, you know, the voodoo thing, the Southern Gothic thing mm-hmm. comes up, you know, I have a, you know, if you don't want that in your horror movie, probably probably don't. <laughs> you better tell me not to put it in there, or I'm going to put it in there. Um, so for me, you know, we're getting getting a lot of those kind of you know, there's just a there's a big Southern Gothic element in 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 what I what I was doing with it, and I think there's also just there's a lot of Forty Days a Night in my yeah. You know, in in my uh, kind of creative like I, I was a huge fan of the comic book back in the day and. Uh, you know, I like the movie, so I, I do kind of like some of that. It's like sort of austerity meets dark fairy tale, which I realize is uh, kind of a paradox. But that's why I like Timo as a director. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, that's why I was really happy with what he did. I felt like he captured he captured that uh, that dark fairy tale element of it that I think another director might not have. Right. Uh, and you know, and you're going to get that. This is the guy that did Iron Sky. Any movie you hand him is going to have a little bit of that fairy tale vibe. Yeah. No matter no matter how, what you do, uh, but I I was able to you know I wrote the first draft of the script, but then once he was brought on, you know he and I started working together to get you know what is ultimately the final shooting script, and uh, you know so he was able to kind of see where I wanted this more, I mean almost like a '70s slasher in in some ways. And uh, like, uh, like, like Walter Hill's Southern Comfort, you know, but but like a horror film, <laughs> uh, or you know, but like a, or a creature kind of slasher. Yeah. So we, you know, so we really started uh, collaborating a lot um, once once he was brought onto the project. Uh, so I, I do think this this story has a lot of him in it too. Well, and as I was watching it, you know, and this is why I wanted to ask first, you know. From my viewing perspective, I, I picked up, it, it seemed like nods to Halloween with the Cult of Thorn. So you had a little, uh, you, you had some Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Child uh, going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some, like, House of a Thousand Corpses, Texas Chainsaw style uh, feel to it. So, I mean, like, you're hitting the franchises. Well, and then Creeper and comes it, out. It, and he he is very much in that like slasher stalker mode. So I mean, there's Friday the Thirteenth. You just knocked out the top four yeah, uh, franchises. Yeah, you have to, yeah I, I think you have to wear your influences on your sleeve. I, I think it's a little it's a little disingenuous not to. 
in in some respects, uh, especially for a movie like this because it is it is a top flight franchise, and you know we did want to we did want to really have it stand out from the others, and I think that's I mean that that's why you're going to see so many of those influences uh, unabashedly. Is, and it, you know, it was great. I mean. I, I don't understand all the hate towards the movie. Um, well, you know, uh, my my personal opinion is that uh, it, uh, and it's it's a, it's an issue I have with the movie. Uh, you know, green screen technology, what you have today, is going to suck compared to what you have tomorrow. Right. Uh, I've, I've worked on a lot of animation stuff, Unreal Engine. You know, we buy a motion capture suit, and six months later, there's a cheaper, better one. I have a I have like an eighty thousand uh, dollar camera piece that I from an old studio I had that got shut down you know during the pandemic, and uh, we we leased it for two years for eighty thousand and it it allows you to do three time or uh, real time three D tracking and those are apps now, so you know and and it was it was within like an eighteen month period, so uh, for better or worse we happened to make a green screen heavy movie. Uh, and a virtual a virtual production movie during a time when virtual production technology was experiencing these huge leaps and jumps. So at some point, you just have to draw the line and be like, we got to use the tech we have because the tech that's coming out tomorrow is going to be better. And I'm not saying that as an excuse, but I, what I am saying is that we, we had to make the choice. Do we do virtual and do the, do the story we want to do or do we stay you know, analog and, and, and just work with the with the sets we have. And we had to go green screen. That was the only way to really, I think, stay with the integrity of what we were trying to do. You know, you're not you're not finding Louisiana in country countryside UK. It's not happening. No. And and you can you you don't get that fairy tale vibe, you don't get that retro vibe. You know, and then like I said, even with just our with our influences that we're wearing on our sleeve, like you gotta you gotta kinda if if you don't have that evil dead cabin or that situation, yeah, you gotta create it virtually um and so personally just knowing a lot about that that technology um i'm a little sad that we couldn't have all the new bells and whistles but the fact is those didn't exist even a year ago and you just you have to accept that at some point you have to just be like hey my baby's out in the world time you know time to time to go on for the next one you know but you have to love it warts and all oh, yeah. i do as a creator you love it warts and all and uh, and people are entitled to to, to love it or hate it, you know, I, you think, know, that's, and, I think that's okay. I mean, it's, it's all subjective. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I, you know, every minute of the movie was like, yeah, I, I love this movie. But, <laughs> no. you know, a, as a whole, it's a good viewing experience. And just as I'm seeing these reviews, I don't, you know, I, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around, you know, all the hate. So I, I went back, I watched it again, thinking, okay, maybe you know, rose-colored glasses or something. And, no, I, I still, even on second viewing, I'm like, this is still a solid movie. Does it have its hiccups? Yeah. But almost every movie, unless it's a high-budget, high-production, like, studio-backed film, is going to have hiccups. Well, you know, um, so my, my favorite movie of all time is uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf, Um you know, and it's this it's this kind of French fantasy horror romance. Yeah. Uh, you know, crazy werewolf movie. Uh, but I hated it when I saw it in the theater. I was just like, what? What? Did, no, no, I, no, it was too much. It was too much. I didn't like it. Uh, but then 
I realized, you know, after about a year, I was like, well, my expectations were out of nowhere. I was confused by like, wait, it's French guys fighting like they're Hong Kong action guys. What is going on? Now I look back at it. And that's one of the reasons it's my favorite is I'm just like, they took a lot of crazy creative risks and it's, it's almost like trying a, a new food or a new drink for the first time. Even if it's good, it's going to taste weird and weird oftentimes instinctively feels like bad at first. Well, and and so it's, I, I think, yeah, that's definitely where uh, reborn sitting because like it's very closely compared to not even the original trilogy, but the original movie. And mm -hmm. even its sequels didn't live up to the original movie. Right. So at some point, you kind of have to remove yourself and say, all right, this isn't that movie. This will never be that movie. Let me watch it for what it is. And I think people will be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to have legs. I think it's going to have legs. And, and by necessity, it has to kind of go through this wall of uh, disappointment or... You know, I won't say hate. You know, I think I think the people that hate it don't actually hate it. I think they just didn't like it. The internet makes everything extra spicy. They just want something to grumble about. Yeah. So, so I think you know, but it is it is a it's a it's a radical departure, and so it's going to feel weird. It's there's no way it's not going to. Um, but now that I've been in this business for so long, I also see how you know movies. I mean, I don't want to say forever, but movies certainly do last for a long time, mm -hmm. and so. You, John Carpenter's the thing, total bomb, but it's now the bomb. So, right. you know, just it, change the uh, definition. Yeah, the, the movie's yeah, still the same. And, 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 and give it time, and give it time. How you know, many I mean, uh, drafts did you go through before, like the final draft of the oh movie? Oh lord, at least twenty, and that's that's not. Yeah, at least twenty, and that and I have to say that's actually not. That is a lot, but. Even on some of the movies I've been doing recently, like the I, I filmed one in um, the Caribbean. Just like I got home like a month ago, and I think we did eight drafts of that one. After the like, you do the accepted draft, and as a writer, you know I'll do three or four drafts myself before I let anybody see it. Yeah. But even after it gets approved, I think we did eight more drafts. Uh, so you know there is a there is a lot. But something with something like Jeepers, there's a lot of producers, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of expectation. And so, you know, you're creating a new draft. I'm not always privy to who they're talking to and who they're showing it to. And, you know, you have to, yeah, they, they wanted to get it right as much as they could on this first one. So you never know where the notes are coming from. It's crazy. So, yeah, there's a, yeah, I mean, and, and, the, and the movie that we shot. <coughs> Structurally, it's it's the same. You know, it's always been the same. It's always been the movie that it is. But you know, there's like little the way the ways people sometimes get killed. You know, the, the horror kills. You know, there's a lot of put. There's a lot of push pull, a lot of give and take on on the kills. You know, the, the cult. We went back and forth on the cult or how to build the the horror hound festival and what you know what we want to tease out during those scenes. Uh, so it's a, you know, it's not like writing a book. I mean, it's a recipe. Oh, yeah. That's what the script is. It's just a recipe. Pretty much answered my next question. I was going to ask, uh, you know, how close to your draft did the movie actually stay? Because I know once the script and everything's out, you know, things get changed on the fly. You know, just the, you start to add in that human element and things kind of yeah. get uh, tweaked a little bit. And so I was wondering, you know, just, just how close everything really. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I, I don't know. I, I would hesitate to put like a, a, a number on it, but 
you know, I, I turned in the script. Uh, and because of the pandemic, uh, I wasn't able to actually be there for filming. And normally I am on movies that I write. Uh, so this was kind of the first one where I handed the script off. And because of the pandemic, you know, me going to the theater was the first time I saw it. Uh, and I was happy. And I felt like, okay, yeah, you know, they didn't keep everything, but they kept enough. And there was enough of what I put in there that, uh, you know, I had a great time. I had a great time at the premiere. Was there anything major that you put in that just didn't make the final cut? Um, yeah, but I, I got to be honest that some of that's a little hard to talk about because some of the sequences that I had in there that we cut, we cut for the express purpose of using them later Oh, down, down the store. You know what I mean? So it's so a it's good kind cut. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, uh, the producers felt like I was kind of giving them I mean, <laughs> I feel bad for the audiences in some ways. They felt like I was giving them a little too much of what's actually going on. <laughs> um, they were like, ah, you know, you're giving, you, there's a little too much, you know, because we've, we've developed a backstory. Like, we know what the Creeper is. Uh, I don't know if Victor ever did. Uh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Um, I've never spoken with him. Uh, but, like, we, we, we made all our choices. We built our world. That's part of how I work as a writer. So I've got to know everything so that I know how much or how little to let out. Uh, so I was kind of, I was disappointed in some of the scenes that were cut, but I know that we did it because we need, we need that card to play later. And so it, you know, so some of the things, a lot of it has to do with like Lane and her sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, and there were, there were, there were a couple of scenes in there where they were like, I, I don't know that we're ready to, to let that out slash commit to it, you know, cause right now we've, we've, we've asked a lot of questions and given a couple of answers uh, but I, I had a few more answers in my draft, um, and they were like, "Ah, you know, we, we don't want to answer this quite yet." <laughs> and you know, hey, that's a producer call, right? Yeah, it's it's just like fishing; you don't want to let too much line out, and you can't reel it in too tight, otherwise, yeah, end of the yeah. Day, you're well, not... and, yeah, and I and I'm a team player, and I love the franchise. You know, I like I would be disappointed if I wasn't brought back. Uh, but you know, the film game is the film game, right? Uh, but I, you know, I, I felt like we've we've got enough material that, you know, even if I don't come back, I've I've, I've gotten my mind out on paper. So if the, if there's another guy who comes up or or gal who comes up behind me, like they're going to have a lot of great material to work with. Like we really we really agonized over making sure that we had a complete world and that we had a direction we were going in. Because I I don't like the you know I don't like the J.J. Abrams mystery box <laughs> thing. I hate that. Um, you know, if I'm going to put a polar bear in a movie, it's going to matter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I hate I hate putting random stuff in movies that, that, that don't matter. So for me, I'm like, nope. if the camera lingers on something, it's because it's important. OK, why the record? Why is he obsessed with the record? <sighs> I'm trying to think of the best way to answer this and not get in trouble. Uh, have you ever seen... Um, it's a it's a voodoo movie called The Skeleton Key. Yeah. And how they use records in that movie? Uh-huh. I'm just saying maybe watch some of that a little bit. <laughs> and and the and the answer might be there. It is uh sound is sound is important. Uh sound sound music and uh physical items are really important. So these are uh so the fact that that's playing and he keeps wanting it to be playing uh it it is it is part of a greater contextual ritual that nice. that that I, I, be, I believe as we as we go into the new movies, there's going to be some really great payoff for that. 
Um, but it's it's all very intentional, and I promise it has. I, I promise <laughs> that it matters. Well, I'm like that's, that's why when he destroys the record, he freaks out. Yeah, like it's there's a you know he needs it to be playing when he's doing his thing. So it not playing, that's a that's a turning moment. That's that's a key. That's a key moment. Like, and that's what makes this conversation super tricky because like there's. Obviously, there's tons of questions. The movie ends, it's set up for at least a sequel, and then you've already said, you know, you penned it for a trilogy. Um, so it's like, ah, so many questions. But if you ask them, pretty good odds, there's not going to be an answer yet. Right, right. Well, like uh, the the White Crow, uh, you know, that matters. Like that's not that's not a that's not a J.J. Abrams polar bear on an island, you know that that is an important thing, and that you know to me especially as a uh, I've been a novelist for a long time, it it goes against my instincts a little bit to present something as important, especially something so divergent from the original IP, you know that's why I'm using the yeah. White Crow as an example. Like that's a that's a pretty that's a critical item for what we're doing but it was not for the others, but just in the way the camera treats it, like, you know, it's important. It's, it's hard to know which answers to give people by the end of the movie, you know, cause you want a complete story. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 you need to tell a complete story. It doesn't matter if you're setting up a sequel, if you don't tell at least, you know, a three part, you know, you gotta have, you know, you gotta have your three acts. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be Marvel where I'm like, why did they spend 20 minutes on this when it, you know, when it doesn't matter. I mean, the payoff's but like the 30 time, years from now. <laughs> right. Uh, but, then, you know, at the same time, you, you do have to balance that with the, the business aspect uh, and what your producers want. You know, your producers are like, we, you know, we want you to plant a bunch of seeds in movie one so that as they bear fruit in movie two and movie three, people are like, oh, yeah, it's that. Or they have a burning question that gets answered. But you also have to answer enough in the first movie that people sequel yeah uh and so there is a there is a best example i can think of uh the series carnival from hbo Mm -hmm. um i was okay when it got canceled at season two because the story was for the most part complete there were a couple of loose threads but at least the showdown between the two main characters had been resolved there were a lot of subplots that were left hanging but their their primary showdown you know, was complete. So for, for, for this one, the first confrontation between Lane and the creeper has concluded. Yeah. The, you know, and that's there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dangling threads, but at least that conflict is, is that chapter of the conflict is resolved. It's not like we cut the movie right before they, you know, you know, they're not leaping towards in the air towards each other and we cut it right before they collide. Right. At least, you know, like at least there, there's, there's still a definitive like the credits roll, and you're like, okay, I, I did, I watched the complete story, even if I'm like ready for the second. Yeah, say so better or worse, the story's over. It's there, there was a yeah. start, there's a beginning, middle, and an end, and you can walk away from it knowing, all right, that happened. Yeah, well, like Halloween, uh, Hallow- the, the 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 new the newest Halloween trilogy. I felt like, you know, I have some opinions about it, but like I felt like that's that the, the transition from. Uh, movie one to movie two in that trilogy, I thought was great. You know, like you have you have Michael, he's in the house, it's on fire. Like we cut, cool. So movie two starts, Michael's in the house on fire. 
we could have waited 10 years for that. It would have been fun. Right. There was, there's one line of dialogue that I thought was just, oh, and it's when Lane and her boyfriend are going to the horror convention and they first start talking about the creeper and, you know, she's, she goes, weren't there some movies about this or something? And he's like, something to the effect of, yeah, but those are just fake. You know, this is yeah. a real deal. It's like, that's how you set yourself apart, damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, you have to. That was, you know, that was, um, you know, I've, I've done I've done a lot of different work. You know, sometimes I'll write a script that I pitch to studios or to companies. And it gets picked up and we go make the movie. Um, more often than not, um, I'm being brought in because the producers, you know, have like an, a movie they want to make. And they've got some specific requests. And so you kind of, it's almost like building furniture on, on, on custom. Um, and one of the, one of the specific requests from the producer was, you know, in our movie, I want the other movies to be movies. I'm like, okay, you know, other, other franchises have done that. I'm like, all right, if, if that's what you want, that's what I'm going to give you. But I don't know how to do it without being a little snarky. And he's like, you can be snarky. (laughs) Because I'm like, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to make it where the creeper is something that people know about, and we're going to talk about how these movies are already out. You know, we're, we're committing to something. We're going to have to own that for the whole movie. So, you know, we need to, we need to lean into it. And if that's, you know, that was one of their requests. I'm like, all right, you're the boss. You got it. We're going to lean into it. And it it was fun to watch because, yeah, from that moment on, it was very much like, all right, the original three are in universe, but they're not real. They're, you know, movies in universe. This is a real story. This is a living, breathing organism that we have to deal with right now. Right. Yep. And it was, it, it was a nice change, especially considering we, you know, in the original, in three movies, there was maybe three people that knew about the creeper. Right. You know, this guy comes back all the time, wiping people out, and nobody knows anything. It was, it was always one of my biggest hangups. No, I, I, I get that. Well, and I, and I, I kind of liked, you know, there was a scene um, actually that I can talk about. In the original script, uh, the creeper actually attacks the festival. Uh, and there's a scene where the cops roll in and there's like some guys in creeper outfits. They don't really know who to shoot. Um, and so, you know, it just it, it turned out to be it was a little bit too big to stage. And we felt like eh, it kind of takes away from some of the pacing in the house to be. Because like once we get to the house, we want to be in the house, um, and it just did. It did. You know, having the creeper go all the way back to the festival, like just it didn't make sense. Um, but we did have that in there where we we were we were planning on using uh, using that a little bit. You know, the cops shoot the guy in the creeper outfit that's not the actual creeper. You know, stuff like that is what ends up on the floor. But um, yeah, the the intention was to really yeah really lean into the idea that this is a fictional character and this is a festival you know, about it. And so the, 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 both the beast and the cult are going to use that to their advantage. Oh yeah. So before we wrap all this up, what's next for you? Like what, what do you have coming on the horizon? Uh, I've been working with a company called MSR. Uh, they're out of, uh, a little Island in the, the what lower Antilles It's called Nevis, uh, in the Caribbean. Um, and I've been doing, I did a movie called black noise, for them with Alex Pettifer. It's a, it's like kind of a cosmic horror meets action thriller sort of thing. That's in post now. And, uh, 
I'm doing my first action movie with them. I've, I've got a lot of action kind of scripts out there in development, but this is the first one that's going to actually go. Cause again, I'm a sci-fi horror guy. Uh, but you know, when the producers are like, Hey, we liked this action thriller elements of this cosmic horror movie you just did with us. So let's do that. Uh, so it's essentially, it's essentially like a, uh, almost like an Island version of Vin Diesel's triple X, which again, for me is a radical departure. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's gonna it's it's fun, you know. I this for the first time I'm sitting I'm sitting here getting to decide like, all right, well, do we do the speedboat chase first, or the jet skis, or the underwater shark attack? You know, we're hiring a lot of lot of, like a huge stunt team. Uh, so for me, it's weird going from something like Jeepers Creepers and just recently doing a cosmic horror, and now I'm doing you know kind of a bombat bombastic uh, action thing. Uh, so for me, creatively, it's really fun to just kind of getting into new territory you know i can't i can't rely on the tropes quite so much uh that you know the the action genre it has its own other visual language um so yeah that's that's fun that's that's what i'm working on right now i think we start filming in april nice where can uh listeners follow you on like social media watch for your upcoming projects and things like that uh twitter you know uh, finding me on twitter sean michael argo that works um i i'm pretty active on my blog um which also links to my you know so my, my if you follow me on twitter or look me up on amazon my author page like auto populates so yeah just just typing me into into either amazon or google and, and uh <laughs> every you know I'm, I'm pretty out there and I, I discovered as a result of jeepers creepers let me put it that way <laughs> as a result of jeepers creepers i discovered Oh, I'm everywhere. It's really easy to get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> and listeners, I will put those links in the episode description for easy access. You can find me and other great podcasters over at electronicmediacollective.com, or if you just want to follow me, head over to Facebook and Twitter and just look up Moose Media Inc. Sean, this has been really fun. And in a few months, let's do this again. And okay. tear into the movie. You know, once it's been out a little bit longer and it's got oh, yeah. some legs, we'll. Uh, I'm not scared. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll do a deep dive into the movie. Okay, that's great. You know, and because there's so many things I want to talk about, but I want to give people a chance to sit down and watch it first. And it's like ah, right, let them, so yeah. much. Let them, let them sit with it. No, that sounds good. That sounds good. So, thank you for coming on today, and. Listeners, tune in tomorrow for another installment of the 13 Horrifying Days of Christmas. And until next time, mash on.